0: Thank you for listening to the Patrick Healy Podcast. My guest today is my friend and former patient, Kaylee Havelock. Kaylee was dealt a a very tough hand with her health from an early age. She's been through a lot, and we'll get into that in the podcast. But over the last 10 years, she's persevered, and today she's a nurse. Her health issues have never gone away. And ironically, but also so typical of our healthcare system, A healthcare worker, a nurse, is being crippled, no pun intended, by her medical bills. Instead of supporting me or the podcast this week, if you're interested, you can find links on my social media as well as in the show notes for a GoFundMe, which her family has set up to help cover some of the costs of the multiple procedures that she's been undergoing. This podcast is not to be considered medical or financial advice, and is for entertainment purposes only. In my conversation with Kaylee, we're going to talk about her health struggles, fitness, the value of movement, COVID, pediatrics, and a lot more. While the subject matter can get pretty heavy, it's a really educational episode. If you're so inclined after listening or watching, tap the link to the GoFundMe, and let's get right to the show. So you've been back in Michigan for four years?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Kind of had to, like, um, I was just, yeah. My, My family had to, like, travel down to take care of me so many times, like, after surgery and stuff that I just thought it would be best to move back. And then, you know, a lot of great things have happened since I moved back. So I'm glad that I, you know, it all happens for reasons.
0: Are you married now or engaged or engaged? You're engaged.
1: But like the three year engagement, we just oh my god. Anytime we go to plan the wedding, it just gets so annoying and we decide we're not we just need to like go to the courthouse.
0: Fuck weddings.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. Freaking industry.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's just the industry. It's not like I don't like I don't want people to have long term relationships, but, right. but I Absolutely. remember a, a few years back when I kind of made this resolution. I was I did it with a buddy. He, he was like, yeah, you know, weddings are stupid and everything, and and now I'm making an exception to the rule because my buddy, who made the the pact with me, is now is getting Kimberly. married. so i'd made one other exception in the past four or five years and that was to go to one of my girlfriend's best friends weddings it was very important to her Uh, i was happy to do it you will never you would never imagine and i never guessed where this wedding was going to be but my girlfriend moved out here from manhattan and um we knew each other when we were children in high school in Virginia, but she had been living in New York for over a decade. And um, she was like, it's going to be a little nice, just so you know, you know, in a good way. She was prepared. She wanted me to you know, not show up in like what I'm wearing right now or something like that. And it was at the Great Gatsby's mansion house estate thingy.
1: Oh my God.
0: It was. Yeah. It was right out of the Great Gatsby.
1: That's amazing, because that's a good theme.
0: Not without its uh, issues, though. Even something that magnificent can go completely wrong. The wedding ceremony yeah. itself was a complete disaster because the bride had wanted to actually get married in like her childhood church, which was on the other side of the Hamptons. This was on the in the. Oh my God. I don't know the, all the right terminology, but anyway,
1: right. the,
0: the fucking bus we were on broke down in the middle of the highway on the way to the ceremony in the middle of the summer with no air conditioning and just, it just melted all of the girls who were supposed to be in the wedding. Like they just, you just saw them start melting because they had all the professional hair and makeup. Yeah. And it just melted out of them. And then we had to walk across. We, we never made it to the actual wedding.
1: What? Like her bridesmaids or anything?
0: Yeah, about half of the main people. Like, I think <sighs> one set of parents. It was, it was this full bus of, of very important people. And we ended wow. up getting picked up by, like, a group of a couple other smaller buses from the company and taken back to the Great Gatsby's house, mansion thing.
1: <laughs> so the whole yeah. point to get married, it didn't go. Yeah, who cares? It's about the party, right?
0: Right. All that, all that for... Uh, I, Great. Party. She, she she certainly got all the photo ops and stuff that one would would want out of it, but yeah, the actual thing with all the meaning and so on and so forth. The whole. And, yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. That's exact. Yeah, yeah. My family, they at one point were like throwing out how much money they would give me toward a wedding, and I was just like, mm, "So can." We just put that on a down payment on a home and then get married at the (laughs) courthouse because that's ridiculous.
0: And you're not wrong if you end up doing the wedding and you know, it just Mm -hmm. is what it is. But many a down payment has been squandered on flower arrangements. That die. That die. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Can't do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, f- gosh. So I left Chicago 6 or 7 years ago.
1: Uh-huh. Like I think that. I left after you did.
0: So you were there for a couple a couple more years. And when I left, you were about to have Was it like your third or fourth endometriosis endometriosis procedure?
1: Yeah. I'm up to five
0: how did how did the one go right after I left
1: um,
0: well, let me back up a little bit, yeah, I don't yeah let me back up a little bit um, so i have a I have a cue as to where to start the podcast
1: sure
0: we Became friends and knew each other when I lived in Chicago. Sure. And spent a a couple of years getting to know each other, you would come in my friend who I was working for with chiropractic office and get regular treatment. And you were one of our favorite patients who was regular at the office. You had all, you had like a good attitude. You weren't always complaining Uh about everything. You were someone who worked hard and we had a lot of clientele that didn't work at all, you know, come in there and just act like they ran the place and you were interested in health and all of that shit. And so we ended up doing more and more work together. We did a little training together and stuff like that. And then I decided that I was going to go do something else with my life. And at the time, I had a podcast that was all about health called The Feedcast. And I had different people who were experts in health for the most part come on as guests and I would try to pull out what was actually good and what they did because so much of uh, what any health practitioner does is more about the business than it is about the, the person. But there's also really good stuff within most disciplines of healthcare. And you were an expert in health because you had been blessed with the opportunity to have all kinds of health problems at a much younger age than most. Most people don't really have to worry about any health problems until they're about 55, statistically speaking. And that's- blessed. Yeah, blessed, yeah. right? And, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and I was watching you get ready to face more surgery, more procedures, and I was like, man, this, um, she's tough. She's, she's doing this as good as anybody could do. And you came on and we did a, a podcast all about your experience.
1: It was pretty sad. I remember it wasn't like, I don't think it was for the masses.
0: <laughs> well, we'll never know because yeah. <laughs> a couple, I, I would queue up my podcast with that so that I could stick to a regular release schedule. And several months after we recorded it, Right about when it would have been put out, I, uh, I had an epiphany slash breakdown. It's kind of like a big car accident. Sure. And I literally deleted everything that I had done with Feed Your Brand and FeedCast. And I just fucking took
1: Over it, it, it down,
0: de- deleted it, kind of regret that a little bit. Just it'd be nice to have a few memories, but I, yeah. um, I, I blew everything up so that there was no going back, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Couldn't change my mind. Um, which I've found in life when you want to do something big tends to be what you've got to do. You've gotta, you've gotta really go all out. Yeah. Yeah. But the podcast never came out. And also around that time, um, you know, we were talking about you were gonna come out and visit us in the mountains and stuff like that. And then and then life happened. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and so I'm curious to know how that next procedure went that we okay. talked about, I guess, six or seven years ago. Sure. And kind of kind of, what happened during the rest of your time in Chicago.
1: Yeah, so I – oh, my gosh. You were – such a big part of me being able to get through everything. Like when you left, I was like low-key devastated. And, um, I just, I wish that I could see myself through your eyes, you know, tough because I, and it's nice to hear that I have a good attitude and all that stuff, but you know, means like self-talk isn't that great. And, um, when I had that procedure, it was it was pretty rough. Um, after about a month, I felt better, and then um, a year later.
0: And what were they what were they removing? You
1: so endometriosis. Got
0: endometriosis. Correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a um so like where your uterine lining grows outside of your uterus and attaches to your organs, and then causes a lot of problems. And yeah. At like, um, And then, so, yeah, they just went in to remove the lesions um, from different organs in my body that I was having issues with. And um, they were able to, you know, get what they could see. It, it's difficult. You can't see endometriosis on any imaging, no MRI, no CT, no ultrasound. I mean, you can kind of get an idea that it is there, but you can't really... Pinpoint the location. So, um, you know, there's also a difference between just like fulgur- fulgur- fulgurizing the lesions, like burning them, or actually excising them, like cancer, and getting all the cells around it so it doesn't regrow. And so, I had I've had a couple surgeons who just did the like burning, um, like use the cautery tool, and that wasn't that successful. Um, and then I've had a couple surgeons that have done the excision. And that was more successful, but I mean, it keeps coming back. It's going to be a problem until, um, when you get pregnant, you don't have pain because there's a change in your, um, hormones or like most people don't have pain. And then, um, when you either go into menopause and get a hysterectomy, that's like the definitive, um, treatment, which. Sometimes isn't definitive if you don't have the right surgeon that gets all the lesions because then you have to take supplemental estrogen and estrogen is what fuels these lesions. So if they forget some like on your bladder or your bowel and you go through the hysterectomy, your estrogen is going to make those
0: start growing. Continue,
1: yeah, continue to grow. So, I mean, it, there's no you really just have to deal with it, honestly. <laughs>
0: How was, how was your recovery in Chicago?
1: I think it was, I think it was good. Um, I'm lucky. I have a a lot of family support. I had a good roommate at the time. That was super awesome. Uh,
0: Did you start studying nursing then?
1: No. So I moved home and when I moved home, I was like, unfortunately, like, I have always been so ambitious and I always knew that I was going to live in a big city and I was going to do big things and nothing was going to stop me. Like, yeah, exactly. I sold my car. When I moved to Chicago, I sold my car and used it as my first month's rent and security deposit and didn't have a job committed. Yeah. And I lasted like five years and I still probably would be doing something else if this wouldn't have happened. Like, but my, life got in the way. I got I started getting sick and I started missing work and then I would lose jobs. And then I worked at a bank. I worked for the Cubs. Then I worked at Groupon for a really long time.
0: Groupon, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then um I did become a case caretaker when I came home to Michigan. So okay. Uh, yeah. I just so I moved home and I saw my mom, my mom's a nurse and, you know, she makes, she makes like good money. And that was the first motivation to go into it. And so I got into nursing school. And then, um, while I was going through nursing school, um, I found a love for OBGYN and delivering babies. And I started working on labor and delivery. And I've known my whole life that, you know, I probably will never be able to have a child, but I felt my mission was to like help the other women that are blessed with this gift. And it kind of filled my cup up um, where I was lacking. So I really poured into that work. And then during nursing school, I had another surgery. I remember it was two weeks before one of my finals. And I was in class taking a final exam with my sutures still bleeding.
0: That's gross.
1: Yeah, terrible. Damn. But I passed it. and um, You know, nursing
0: school, oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, and then my... Um,
0: so it must have been extremely frustrating and also extremely gratifying as far as like knowing what you were capable of.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just do it. I've never really been one to
0: pull out of a fight.
1: Yeah. Make a lot of excuses. Um, yeah, because even in my last year of nursing school, I, um, me and my fiance decided we were going to try to get pregnant and I ended up conceiving two times and, One of the time I had a miscarriage while I was at the hospital working in clinicals and I finished my clinical rotation, went down to the ER that I was working at as a nurse student after my shift and, um, ended up getting like shipped by a ambulance to a bigger hospital. But, and then my second one, yeah,
0: they needed a bigger hospital.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my second one um, happened in my last semester and it, that was a, it was an eptopic pregnancy. So it wasn't mm-hmm. just a miscarriage. And um, I have no idea how I got through it. I have, I have absou- absolutely no idea because I was working at the same time on the labor and delivery unit. So as I'm having this, these miscarriages, I'm delivering babies. And sometimes delivering dead babies. And yeah. it, it was, uh, you know, but I did it.
0: Does the labor unit deal with miscarriages or do miscarriages kind of happen and then someone ends up in the hospital?
1: Uh, it yeah. depends how far along they are, but I mean, around, I mean, I've delivered a 15 week old baby without any signs of life and that's Holy smaller than fuck. Yeah.
0: That's, that's heavy for anybody. I'm sure that's heavy for a male nurse.
1: Yeah, not a lot of males do work on the labor and delivery unit. But
0: Interesting, although I'm not surprised by that.
1: Yeah, sometimes I'm like after the birth, but...
0: I could see how females would gravitate towards that and how it's probably a better fit when dealing with mothers.
1: Totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... That, yeah, so that all happened, but I finished nursing school, and I um, I don't think anyone will ever know, ever, how difficult that is, you know, and it was, but I think that's part of what makes me different than others.
0: So then what happened?
1: So then I got hired. Um,
0: what year was this? Was this just a couple of years ago?
1: I graduated in um,
0: 2018, I think. All right.
1: And um, oh, so after the um, epitopic pregnancy, I ended up developing a condition that. Some women in their childbearing years develop, and I don't think anybody like I, I haven't talked to about this with anybody but my like immediate family. But um, my spinal fluid, my CSF pressure uh, mm-hmm. started to increase like a lot, and I had to get serial spinal taps all the time. Probably, uh... yeah, and they would pull off about fifteen mLs of spinal fluid. And then I would go through like getting a spinal headache where your brain is just, doesn't have any cushion. It feels like your face is going to fall off.
0: So they um, would, would they bring like your, the pressure below normal so that it had time to fill back up?
1: Um, no, they tried to get it normal, but then sometimes you would get a leak. Um, and then it went lower, but um, I normal's 15 to 25. And I was like, well into the thirties. Would they, um, which
0: would they every time you got the procedure would they like in uh stick something in you to suck it out, or did they put like a permanent tap somewhere along your spine that they would then you no know,
1: every time they did the it, fluoroscopy in the needle was it painful yeah, yeah, I mean, there would be sometimes they would go into my back and then like I couldn't move my leg for. you know a couple of days
0: because of the inflammation they put onto the nerve roots
1: yeah sure yeah um and i think i don't i don't know it's pretty rare it's a pretty rare condition to happen after you having like an eptopic pregnancy and they treated me with methotrexate um instead of surgically removing my fallopian tubes and i just I always I always get the uh bad side effects. <laughs> like I am the queen of no side luck. effects. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm so good at being rare. It's my specialty. And so then um after that I got back on my feet and started working on a labor and delivery unit at a different hospital. And um Then one day my knee hurt and I'm like, okay, I'm working 13 hour shifts on my feet on your feet a lot. Yeah. It's probably nothing. And just went to get it checked out. Um, Then it started causing me to limp. So then they did an MRI. And then the doctor says you have bone infarcts. um, At the distal end of your femur and then the proximal end of your tibia um, all around your knee it's called um avascular necrosis like death of bones
0: And for regular folks femurs like your thigh and your tibia is your shin bone so
1: yeah where, where they yeah.
0: touch each other at the knee joint they were both fucked
1: yeah so then because i was limping my hips started hurting so then they imaged my hip and i over ten percent of my weight-bearing surface was necrotic bone, um, and then Do you I have was, blood supply. No, no, that's how avascular necrosis happens. They say it's a clot in um, the bone marrow, yep. uh, and then it causes the bone to die. Your bones are constantly breaking down and re- rebuilding themselves. Yep. Yeah, but mine is dying at a faster rate than my body can reabsorb it. And, um, so then I was like, all right, let's just, let's just scan the whole lower body for shits and gigs and, um, did they do a
0: CT scan or is this all MRIs MRI? This point? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. And they found it in both hips and both knees. And the other side was 15% of my weight bearing surface. So,
0: so did it, did one side kind of mirror the other, like your left and your right leg Did did you have it in the same spots on both sides? Yes,
1: same spots around the joints, anywhere kind of where there's stress. Yeah, yeah. and usually like the biggest risk factors for developing something like this is chronic alcoholism, chronic corticosteroid use, um, having sickle cell disease, going through chemotherapy. And as soon as they said chemo, I was like, bingo. Like for my endometriosis, they gave me a drug called Lupron. Mm -hmm. which is used to treat prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. And I was on that for nine months. Mm -hmm. And we looked at the packaging and it said may cause bone loss, but it didn't say anything about like bone death. And so then I called the FDA and I asked them, I said, has anybody reported this? And they were like, yeah, we've had, you know, like, I think they said maybe like 16 people has reported it um, osteonecrosis from being on Lupron, but it wasn't significant enough for the drug company to put it on the label.
0: Were those people males? Most of them. So most of those people were older than you are. And most of those people already probably had some arthritis and didn't see it as as an insidious onset related to the drug probably as it really was.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they still felt the need to report it, you know? Yes. So, um,
0: cause it's an abnormal finding <laughs> at, at any age. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, you, when, when blood supply is not in an area of bone is, that's a red flag. That's not, Oh, you're just getting old. Right. Right. I mean, in fact, a lot of osteo osteoarthritis is uh like goes hand in hand with having good circulation such that the body can keep creating more minerals, you know, more density mm-hmm. on the on the ends of bones. Yeah. So it's kind of like the opposite of what wearing yeah. a lot of times shows. Right. Like you said, your body isn't able to to recover quick enough.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that was in hmm. February of 2020 and I
0: right before the, right before the lockdowns.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I didn't really have a lockdown cause I'm You're a an nurse. essential worker. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't, didn't really affect me and we don't really leave the house anyways. So um, <laughs> it wasn't, you know, I, I feel bad for people who had a tough time during the pandemic, but my life wasn't too disturbed. Um, but I have been working every single day. haven't missed a single day of work unless I was in the hospital um, for this whole thing. And I was at work on first with crutches, then with a walker, and then with a wheelchair. I literally, I work at a pediatric, uh, I'm a pediatric nurse, and I was taking stitches out of kids' heads while I was in a wheelchair.
0: Right on. That's gangster.
1: Yeah. So
0: but I'm very lucky. I have a very supportive, um, boss. You, uh, we're talking about all of these complications and breakdowns with your body. And some of it might sound to somebody listening, like, um, maybe you, you were, uh, not making your your body and, and bones as strong as they could be or something like that but yeah uh, but i mean you've all you've always been as long as i've known you you've been engaged in your health i mean we used to do workouts that a lot of girls probably wouldn't wouldn't do i mean oh
1: my gosh it was so talk, fun
0: talk about some of the stuff we used to do like you were doing Box jobs. required some yeah. density.
1: Yeah. Boxing. Um, lifting, heavy, hanging from bars. Like you used to just say pick pick up heavy stuff and put it down.
0: <laughs> and you would. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah. Um, I've actually experienced that in my personal life. I have quite a few family members and friends that um I've been sick for so long, and I've had a couple pretty rare diagnoses that, you know, you get accused of it all being in your head or, um, you know, things that I'm, like, things that I'm doing, making it worse. Everybody has a freaking opinion. And um,
0: they're like assholes. They're all assholes. That's for sure. Everybody's got an asshole. Everybody's got an opinion. Yeah.
1: And yeah, opinions on how I should better manage my disease, or if it were them, they could do it better or different or um. But I really have a good sense of who I am and I
0: just kind of brush it off. You know what's funny about that is one of the reasons that i don't practice anymore is that as a chiropractor a lot of what you deal with is fake illness a lot of people coming in the office seeking treatment are full of shit are the problem don't have real problems um the, the chiropractic is part of a long line of trying to throw money at something that you're now so dissociated from that, that the problem you're experiencing, like your headaches are the root of it all is something that happened when you were four years old. And it really has nothing to do with pain in your head. It's yeah. so much of it is is fake. And while I believe that most non-ablative. So when I say that, like an ablative lesion in the body is like cancer growing and there's this thing and it's eating a bone and that doesn't have anything to do with meditation or doing yoga or anything. You gotta fucking do something and this is disease and there's, there are powers that be trying to kill you. But I think that most non-ablative stuff that isn't requiring surgical intervention is quite often in reality tied to something that happened to a person as a child. I'm not saying that I don't think that stuff needs to be addressed. I think that like therapy and mental health is is something that we should really be focusing on in terms of making sure that like each young, each generation coming after us is better than we are because uh, the last couple generations that raised like millennials and whatever's after millennials i think by and large did a pretty terrible job of raising their children <laughs> and and providing a, a stable country for them to live in but when we're talking about somebody coming in into a doctor's office and saying, I want this pill, or I want you to do something to make me better. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I have X or Y wrong with me, especially in practice. I was a point where I was like, all right, like you want me to take you seriously, show me the blood test or show me the, yeah, you
1: got to have receipts.
0: I want to, yeah, (laughs) show me that this is real and then we'll really do something about it. And it is a commentary on the state of health where people are so fucking confused about what a real disease or disability or sickness or, or problem is that people accuse you who have, and you have a file this thick of real things, people close to you of not dealing with something right. Which means sure. that this country has failed at educating people on what disease is. Because I, they're yeah. probably people who have caused problems for themselves that are fake. And they're looking yeah. at somebody else because they have terrible luck. Yeah. As, as someone who shouldn't uh, be dealing with a situation that they really have no control over the way that they are. And, and I see it all the time. And it's too bad. I have people in my family who have, um, you know, like fibromyalgia and stuff. Well, yeah. they they've tripled down on that to where they can't be diagnosed with fibromyalgia because they don't meet. But th- I have people in my family who won't leave their upstairs bedrooms. They're like grown people in their fifties because mm-hmm. of fake illness.
1: Well, so, so <laughs> I think though, so. hold that for a second. Um, like as someone who has dealt with chronic disease, I'm going on a good, a solid 10 years now.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, some mental health problems sometimes arise due to the, like the chronic chronic pain, anxiety, um, you know, being judged, being, you know, are you doing everything right? And a lot of people,
0: that stuff will culminate in depression quite often, right?
1: Sure. And a lot of people don't know the difference between like a psychosomatic illness and then a somatic psycho illness, um, one that comes from symptoms. Like before all this, I wasn't like this. I didn't have depression. I didn't have anxiety, but I do now. And it's easy for physicians to look at my chart say, oh, well, she has endometriosis, avascular necrosis, idiopathic intracranial hypertension but she has depression and anxiety. So it could, you know, it's probably all in her head. So sometimes it doesn't even matter if you have the receipts, um, especially, especially if you're dealing with an illness that causes pain, this country is so messed up Yes. in the way that they treat pain and treat yes. doctors who treat pain yes. and treat, um, patients who want to take medication for their pain. And, um, I mean, there will be times, like, okay, there was this one time where I fell and I'm prone to fracture because of my dead bone. And so, you know, you call him, I had to call a freaking ambulance. The fire truck had to pick me up off the goddamn floor And I didn't, I don't even think I had pants on. It was so embarrassing. And they take me to the hospital where the girl that I went to school with ends up being my nurse and they say, oh, she's drug seeking. Says who? Because. Says the doctors. It is so.
0: And is that because oh, they, they get pressured from state regulators or something like that to check certain boxes on insurance form? like what? Yeah, you know, I from? think
1: it's because um, in Michigan, if you're prescribed an opioid prescription, uh, you, there's a system and it shows them every single time you've ever had a prescription and every single physician and you're supposed to there's rules like you can't Um, have more than five physicians prescribe in a two year time. But then like, I have surgery, and their physician's assistant writes the prescription right at the hospital. And then I go for my follow up appointment. And then the surgeon writes it. And then I have another surge, you know what I mean? So then which it like,
0: which would in one state be under the same group number and would all be the same thing, but I'm guessing it gets done as individual provider numbers that way. And they're counting it as three instead of one.
1: Exactly. And so, um, hmm. you know, they just really just look at the numbers and they, they treat the chart. They don't treat the patient. Um, the patient being me. I mean, I, You know, I'm fine. Like, I'm very, very lucky that I um, that I haven't been like other chronic pain people that end up addicted to drugs and all that stuff. Like, because no one's immune to it. Not even like a healthcare professional. Um, But I've heard that healthcare professionals
0: have above average dependency statistics you know
1: what maybe they do because maybe providers are more likely to prescribe to someone that they think is educated on it you know i sure or or you can have like friends or i don't know but um
0: i think what you said about about the these states a lot of times being the results of very real stuff though is significant you know and and real stuff can be a disease or it could be a lifestyle. Yeah. And and that doesn't mean like a partying lifestyle like there are a lot of doctors and nurses who are living very tough lives. Yeah. And you know, uh, it's hard for anybody to to get up week after week and 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 work hard um and do the exact same job like a machine when life is not the exact same outside of those doors. And I mean, what we saw with essential workers, like nurses and doctors through this pandemic, while everyone else, to a fault probably, was shut down, you know, staying home, doing whatever they needed to do to deal with their uneasiness about, about COVID. And you know, you were, you were in there at work taking care of people and then coming out and having a lot less time to deal with the madness that was going on in the outside world than everybody else. That's stress, that's that's real. And at a certain point, a lot of people naturally would say, all right, I'm gonna like, some people would say, I'm gonna keep using this as a device to show up every day and have something to focus on and and not get overwhelmed by everything going on. But for some people under normal circumstances, they'd probably say, okay, I mean, let's slow things down for a little bit. I'm going to do, I'm going to do tw- 25 hours for a few weeks and, but.
1: Oh yeah. Are you that kidding me? Really... You can't do that as a right. nurse. We no. were, they were saying if we took time off that they were going to, um, we were going to get fired. Our pay got cut uh, my pay got cut. And
0: how is that possible?
1: I, I didn't get any bonuses. I didn't get any, my, my pay got cut by, I think it was like 10%. And they took away our four hundred one k.
0: Yep. Um, Retirement.
1: Yep. Yeah, they took away. They took away a lot of stuff. They cut our pay, and they took away our stuff, and they expected us to work overtime, and we did.
0: Because you're good people, or because you had to do it. But that's not fair. Yeah. That's in it, the long run. And then, though, and then
1: with the unemployment those people, when they got in Michigan, they were getting, um, which it, you know, it's fine, whatever, but they were getting $600 a week on top of their benefits. Someone on unemployment sitting at home was making more than we were when our pay was cut and we were in the hospitals.
0: Honesty so often gets screwed.
1: Oh, always screwed. Always. I mean, maybe not always. But,
0: um, you're an out, you're an outlier if you make it, honestly.
1: Yeah. People are, people are messed up. Like I'm
0: going to, I'm going to be the one in the million, but it's, it's, it's a joke. Like to me, it's a game because it's just a joke trying to do things. Honestly, it's Yeah. most, most of it's all just fake business and, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah so point being though like all that disincentivization is not good for someone not dealing with real disease mental health not (laughs) not ablative and and for you you've got you're getting the double whammy because you're so blessed and (laughs) i can't imagine yeah hashtag blessed
1: yeah but um, if I wasn't going through all of these things, I would not be where I am um right now. And where I am right now is I'm engaged, I have a great job. Um, I have great surgeons, um, I have decent doctors. Uh I have a dog. My bills are paid. I have a roof over my head. I have food in my fridge. Like, um,
0: it sounds like you've leveled up since I last saw you. <laughs> in many ways.
1: Yeah, in Chicago, I yeah there is no food. I just like used Tinder as a meal plan and would go on dates. <laughs> <like every
0: day. laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> this guy looks fit. Maybe he'll buy me a salad.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I want some fried chicken. Let me find. Let me find a big boy.
1: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it was terrible, but great. Um, what do you miss
0: most about Chicago?
1: I miss walking everywhere. Okay. Um, I miss feeling inspired by people. There are so many people out there that have to hustle. Um, I miss the people that kind of know when to complain and when not to like, you know, you could go to a small town and they can complain about everything. And then I'm like, well, I was, yeah, I was on my way to work this morning and I was just trying to get on the bus and some dude pulled up with his penis out uh, and asked me to jump in the car for a date. You know, I was, I'll try to get kissed by a homeless man on the, on the subway. Like, I mean, you just become resilient, you know, to things. Like, sure. And um, yeah, it's, and just meeting all different people. And I have the best team, like with, for my healthcare, like you, and now I can't even get a massage because of Ed like ruined me because he's probably the best in the world Miss Ed. um and uh
0: i said and christian and baker
1: yeah yeah oh my god i had the best team the best support you know i just didn't have um i just needed more like in my home right and yeah. so that's i had to move back but um it's difficult because I'm, I'm very jaded. Oh, and with food, I'm very jaded with food because I do believe Chicago has the best food
0: in the world. A few weeks ago, I, I may or may not. And this whole podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It's not real, but I, I may or may not have gotten the Delta. And, uh, I lost my sense of taste and smell for the first time ever. I mean, I'd been stuffed up and lost oh. my sense of smell, but I mean, I lost the, my sense yeah, of it's taste and yeah. gone. And it was great for my physique, <laughs> but my brain knowing that there was no immediate pleasure in me eating started for real going on these deep dives about like food that i had had at times in my life and i found myself at like two o'clock in the morning like down youtube rabbit holes of watching uh chefs at at michelin restaurants like preparing uh-huh. stuff in the kitchen and one of the oddest things that like came back to me just craving was there's the dog exactly. was uh Peking duck which i had in chicago the some of the the best in the country apparently is in uptown and i used to go to this place occasionally with friends oh my
1: but, gosh we were so blessed like i would yeah. get dinner from yeah we would get dinner from restaurants that were on tv shows like no problem
0: yeah and that that was funny to me to to have it occur to me like how much i enjoyed certain meals in my life and and many of those were in chicago and now i'm a uh, expert on peking duck because i've watched about two hours of documentaries on the 24-hour process that it is to
1: <laughs> <a better laughs> yeah oh my gosh well i'm sorry that you were sick I'm do you boy, have yeah. your, your sense of smell and taste are back
0: yes good yes good. it insidiously disappeared and it came back all of a sudden like just there it wasn't gradual like I think I can taste it It was like I bit a um I went to the took my girl we uh, in town here on Thursday nights there's they call it a farmer's market but there's like this um out in, out in the vineyards, there's this street called School Street, and it's got like a bunch of tasting rooms and re- and restaurants just along this one long street. It's really cool. But they shut yeah. down the whole street and set up farmers' mar- uh, a farmer's mm-hmm. market, but it's like, I don't want to say it's a high-end farmer's market. It's all the regular farmers that are at the other local markets, but... There's the way to you know,
1: put it on. is Yeah. On your and
0: you you can like date. have, you can walk, you're walking down the street with like a wine glass if you want and you just pop in, everything's open. Yeah. And, and anyway, she hands me this nectarine. that was some sort of hybrid something. And without thinking I bit it and I was like, oh fuck, I can taste.
1: Oh, this yay.
0: Amazing. Yeah. And then it was off to the races from there.
1: Yeah. It's on. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it came yeah. back. The yeah. um, Can you tell me anything interesting about COVID? Any nurse stuff?
1: Um, I do think it's interesting that everyone takes temperatures when temperature isn't even, like I know a lot of people get high fevers when they have COVID, but it is in practice. I rarely see that.
0: Had Um, it for two days out of like two weeks of,
1: fucked up. Yeah, so it's really weird that they that the government like this the country. They they think that's a good way to check. Yeah, that's like the way to check if you have COVID or not because that's just a bunch of BS. Okay. Um, I, you know, there have been tough times. Like when I was working on labor and delivery, um, one of our patients was COVID positive. We actually delivered the first COVID positive, like had did a delivery from a COVID positive mother in the state of Michigan. And um
0: that's almost as big as an accomplishment as doing the first AIDS baby. Congratulations. <laughs>
1: yeah. I was working there. I wasn't the head nurse on it. Um, but <laughs> she uh could not breathe like to push, right? And you're It was, just imagine it couldn't have gone. I mean, the baby was fine, right? And then we sent mom to ICU right after. The
0: mom couldn't breathe or the baby couldn't breathe?
1: The mom couldn't breathe to push because it was such a hard workout, right? Right, right. And um, so that was a big problem, but everything ended up okay. Um, You know, it's definitely real, My fiance works on the COVID unit um, and.
0: Is he a nurse as well?
1: He's in his last year of school. Yeah. Cool. Um,
0: I I'm a big, I I, I'm so critical of most of healthcare. I think nurses are, are the MDs of course, but nurses are the backbone of what healthcare really should be in this country. You guys, you. you guys do real business yeah keep going yeah. though so a lot he, of he, times we he's, do. he's been in <laughs> the in the uh in the what would you just call it
1: the on the covid unit the ever COVID since units. the when every single bed was a covid patient um and it, it was like overflowed and you know he has gotten used to like preparing bodies and putting them in bags like it's it's a thing
0: has he developed a super immunity to it?
1: Um so he's never gotten it. I've never gotten it um all of, like all of my family members had it uh so um I don't know he he's been vaccinated um but you know, we've never gotten it
0: i was i got tested frequently when once they started being able to test mm-hmm. because the i don't know if you followed but the ufc kept putting on fights pretty shortly after the pandemic started they would do it okay. in like an an empty arena they actually and one of the things they did was they actually built a small island in dubai and would fly people out there because dubai was willing to act independently of what the u.s wanted to do in terms of mandates and stuff and so they would do all of this testing to make sure that they were basically in a bubble once they got to the island nobody could come on that wasn't anyway what i'm getting at is i would get tested because i train with some ufc guys and anytime someone tested positive like in the team once a bout was signed it would just fuck everything up many fights were canceled and messed up people's money yeah so if there were it were any problems didn't want to expose people who, you know, it's a career. Yeah. And then I, uh, then I ended up getting, and I, I never got COVID and I never had any problems and I, I didn't break any rules, but I definitely didn't hide. And I, I went up and down all around California and, whatever. And then I got vaccinated and I had a tough reaction to the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And now I have watched this Delta variant seem to almost prefer people I know who are vaccinated. Mm. And I'm curious if you think that this COVID stuff is going to keep evolving to the point where it really is like taking out kids left and right and and being the yeah. danger that it's been promoted as because sure. the first COVID that was going around was not this thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so at being in pediatrics, we've had, um, you know, countless positive COVID cases of kids, um, that I've had to follow as a nurse and, um, most of them seem to be pretty mild. Um, you know, only the really bad cases make it on the news, um, with children, but there is a risk. There's a big risk of some, for some reason, children will develop, um, issues with their heart. It sometimes it when after they get over COVID. And, um, is that
0: because of the activity within the respiratory system in general? I mean, I know you don't know the specific mechanism, but is it kind of progressing in kids or something like that? Sure. So anytime
1: you like a virus or especially upper respiratory infection um there's a chance that it could cause inflammation um in your heart because it's all so close to each other yes. um That's and one so, of the ways
0: i've almost died out of my nine deaths oh man sorry it's okay oh, no problem we're good <laughs>
1: yeah you made it hold on you you're up to nine yeah but they they say nine lives so you better be careful
0: I have not uh, taken any more chances except for all the chances (laughs) that I take. Yeah, right. That was like number Uh, six.
1: uh, Oh, no. Um, So, you know, parents need to watch their kids for, you know, symptoms of that. But um, for the most part, it's been okay. I do believe that it's not going away. I do believe that it's going to keep mutating. And I do believe that things... Will never be
0: the same. That's pretty fucking depressing.
1: Yeah, but it's a realistic.
0: Of, <laughs> a lot of people do not want to be realistic right now.
1: Yeah, and I'm not I mean,
0: saying realistic. Like, agree that that's going to happen. They just don't want to deal with like realistic factors. They don't want to do any analysis. Sure. They want to write on NPR's message board like mean shit about Democrats. Sure, sure. Like, and Republicans. It's just, it's just.
1: Yeah. It's I think it's not encouraging. Fun. Yeah, it'll become a new way of living. And then, you know, all these kids that have grown up in isolation and wearing masks, like, it'll just be normal for them. And, and their um, immune
0: systems are going to suck.
1: Um. Yeah. R- right now, kids going back to daycare after being at home for a year and a half, like, kids are getting really sick. Like, more sick than when they have COVID. <laughs> like, with RSV and croup and all that stuff
0: which is something that people were warning about at the beginning of these lockdowns once they went past three weeks and because you immediately see with children i mean the children adapt quickly right and so they within six months a lot of a lot of kids had adapted to this new normal but you could see within a month of being locked up that it was affecting them
1: yeah Yeah. A lot of, um, depression, suicide. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really just been a clusterfuck, but you know what? I don't, you know, I could just sit here and have huge opinions over, you know, what works, what doesn't, what should have happened, what should happen. But I don't, because I don't have the luxury to do that. I work in the field. I have to adapt. So whatever's going to happen is going to freaking happen. And so, that's just it.
0: What's the deal with um the future of our lungs in respect to COVID? Is it is it true that imaging on people like who aren't vaxxed post COVID versus people who are vaxxed, like they've got all sorts of like alveolar damage or something like that, or some sort of lung damage, or is it just wrecking everybody's um respiratory system? Like what is the deal with that?
1: Sure. Um I can't really speak to that because I don't work with the um adult population um personally, but um I have seen people have you know, this has only been going on for 2 years now, so yeah. but they are they do still have damage. There's residual seen, stuff. Yeah, I've seen that.
0: Uh, well, what is your day-to-day like right now? in terms of pain and dealing with your health?
1: Yeah. So I just had surgery um, last Tuesday, less than two weeks ago on my oh. hips.
0: Okay. That's pretty um, massive. What did they do? Yeah. Did they go in and, and cut things out, put new things in. What happened?
1: Yeah. So both hips, um, I got a, I had bilateral core decompression done um, which they say if they drill bone, holes in your bones, it will initiate new blood supply and mm-hmm. help you heal. So I had both hips drilled into after bone marrow was harvested from both of my iliac crests. Um, yeah, they took my stem cells Sweet. and they
0: drilled,
1: drilled out the dead bone. What? And put my some stem. stem cells. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, they're not.
0: Got to watch your stem cells. They're
1: not high quality. Um, (laughs) And then they put my stem cells in, they tried to get out as much dead bone as they could. They put my stem cells in place of what they took out and then drilled holes all up and down my femurs. Okay.
0: Yeah. What's the recovery look like on that?
1: Um, I'm walking with a walker.
0: Okay. I have one of those. Are you even allowed to put all like your full weight?
1: No, no, no. Cause for them to heal, um, I I can't do full weight. I think it's for six weeks or so. Um, and then it's going to take a year to know if it works. So, um, you know, I have to just be super, super careful. Um, while it takes like six months for the healing to finish, but, um, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm sore. I'm sore. I have to I have one of those like old old person toilet seats that's like five inches higher
0: because
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't sit down. Um, what does
0: what the soreness feel like? Do you feel like ache throughout your thigh and into your hips? Do you only feel it in one a couple places? Does it feel like a deep ache? Does it feel like things are cracked? Does it feel like everything?
1: Yeah. Um a lot of nerve pain on the outer portions of my thighs, um a lot of burning um tingling my at the current moment, my right hip feels almost like it's dislocated because I have like pretty much saddle anesthesia um, What does that mean? It means that my groin is completely numb um Sweet. Yeah. But I'm not going to the bathroom on myself, so it could be worse. Okay. Um Yeah, I'm pretty sore. I'm super sore. Like uh my my groin is really what is hurting me the most. Um and then, you know, I, I can't get like sleep on my side or anything because my the outside of my skin is so like
0: Do you just do straight up dra- vampire style sleeping? Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you sleep it's okay an, though. I'm doing do you sleep good. At an angle, like propped up, or do you sleep flat?
1: I sleep flat with my feet up.
0: Okay. Your feet, feet, or your knees?
1: Both. Yeah. Um. And I. You know, after surgery, it was oh my gosh, a horror show. The most pain I've ever been in in my whole
0: entire life. And this isn't your first rodeo.
1: Yeah, the first, the fact that I'm sitting here, like, not taking any narcotics, just chilling, um, based off of like how I felt ten days ago, it's night and day. The ten days ago, I was the exorcist, and I thought that life was ending.
0: Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that.
1: Yeah, I feel, I I'm feel a- really.
0: I'm also happy to hear that you haven't had any like complications of getting some other sickness while having the strain on your immune system, which it seems like you're on the other end of right now.
1: Yeah. Don't jinx me.
0: I'm not, I already knocked on wood. I'll do it again.
1: Yeah, no, I'm over it. I think I've decided that I'm not going to be sick anymore. I'm just going to try to pretend like um, nothing's happening. Do you and get?
0: get in- have you been getting stir crazy the last couple of days? Or you content just to be chilling?
1: No, no, I'm going to work back to work this week.
0: Um, okay. Are you going to wheel yeah. around?
1: Uh, no, working from home, actually, um, we have a doing triage. So like when parents call with their children's health concerns, I address them and really? either provide interventions or route them to the appropriate care.
0: Do you do that a lot?
1: Yeah, I've been working at home for almost 6 months now ever since I got in the wheelchair. Things were just getting a little too um complicated, so my boss set me up to work from home. I I've been really lucky.
0: Do you have any other coworkers who work from home? No. Right on. You are exceptional. You should have exceptions. Thanks. Like I've
1: been that. really lucky.
0: What's your favorite thing to do for fun right now? I mean, not necessarily like post-surgery, but over the last couple months.
1: You know, I, I haven't been able to walk really. Um right. I I like going to my mom's. Uh my mom lives on a lake, and so I like going and riding on the boat. Um and I love swimming because it it takes away my pain and I feel normal when I'm yep. in the pool. Yep. Um and, um, just hanging out at home with, you know, I'm not too high maintenance.
0: Are you a, are you a, a streamer? Do you watch like Netflix and who? Yeah. And that stuff? Yeah. Good. You should.
1: Yeah, I do a lot. Um,
0: the best time ever to be a TV watcher, you know? Oh,
1: and I am, I've always been a TV watcher. It might just be my because how I grew up, I, um, yeah,
0: yeah. There's never been as much high quality stuff. Like if you like were born, like uh-huh. you see all the time, <laughs> and yeah. came up and had never seen a show like any of the things that you grew yeah. up, on, and then all of a sudden you just turn this thing on, it's like you can watch anything from the last forty years that you like. And
1: did you watch Handmaid's Tale?
0: I watched a couple seasons of it and then tapped out. It got you were all- I I wasn't I really like what's her name Elizabeth Moss
1: Ship on one
0: the yeah the one that was on Mad Men I really like her but um it just got so dark it it rang so true to me the storyline that
1: Oh yeah I, just, I love
0: that cuz I get like I do that anyway hear me complaining about fake business and and i had to leave healthcare and all that kind of stuff so i feel like i'm fighting that battle day to day right now yeah including like my podcast um Uh i'm trying to like tell some of the truth and stuff and uh eventually add more and more humor to that so people will accept it but when i see those metaphors it just it just got too heavy for me especially because i started um i started getting into like the third season during the pandemic and it was like fuck i can't i'm doing this outside i can't do this
1: yeah yeah it yeah
0: is that one of your favorites
1: i thought it was one of my highlights of this uh stationary life i've been living yeah yeah definitely um
0: it's very high quality show
1: yeah but i want to i want to like move again because it's so annoying like in order for me to not become like 300 pounds it's all diet because yeah. i can't move
0: <laughs> which is frustrating because that means you don't get any leeway on your calories you're just fucking picking all the time sometimes yeah. yeah that does suck i just had a uh a jiu-jitsu match and like three weeks out i got hurt and Oh, no. and uh, it was like a separate injury from already having my knee messed up and my knee uh, it's really hard to run so I, I ran out of things to do To I had to lose like 20 pounds and I ran out of things to do to lose the weight so I was just like not eating you know what I mean I made the weight and won <laughs> the match and stuff but right when you're trying to do it with diet it's just a losing battle like it's you have bad. to do diet, but it right. helps so much when you can be an active person.
1: When you can move. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. There's a big difference.
0: Do Have you noticed something that I can't stand is people like me who <laughs> expound the importance of nutrition. But the people I can't stand have built like huge Instagram based businesses off of saying that like eating lettuce is going to cure your cancer and, and eating an oyster is going to make you really, really smart and all of this stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Have you noticed if diet or certain foods, et cetera, et cetera, help with healing day to day pain, any of that stuff?
1: Sure. So um I haven't, but here's why. It's because
0: say that one more time.
1: I said I haven't. Okay. But here's why I do believe in order for things to help, such as like help in a big way, such as supplements or um, you know, cutting out a certain you know, dairy or yeah, gluten or whatever. I feel like you have to. It almost seems like everything has to be perfect. Like when I was training with you and I was like not eating carbs and, you know, doing really well, like I noticed that my supplements were working, but then I feel like if you live like the standard American diet and then you take supplements on top of that, you don't really see any benefit because you're in a state of like, you know, not the greatest nutritional,
0: right? Right. Yeah. We, we, have you heard of the singularity? Mm
1: -mm.
0: The singularity is this idea that the biggest name who's proposed it is that guy, Ray Kurzweil, the, and he's a famous inventor who, um, his goal before he dies. And I think he's close to 80, but is to figure out how to kind of live forever. And he's once he made his hundred million, he kind of inve- started investing in, in life extension technologies. And people who believe in the singularity think that eventually humans and the technology they create will kind of mesh, kind of like the matrix. but yeah, but people who are really into that will pick just like people pick different cryptos that are their favorite, they pick like different scenarios. Like some people think we'll be walking around as cyborgs, we'll like put our brain into this vehicle. Other people think we'll just be digital up in the cloud, you know, it, different um, different versions of that, who knows which one will be true. But it's fascinating to me as we, we get better technology with every, like our cars, our cars are, Our computers nowadays Mm -hmm. how true the metaphor is that we we are reflections of the things we create and what you just described is kind of like the sports car metaphor where if you've got a a lamborghini or like a track bmw and you put higher octane fuel into the engine it -hmm. will actually make a difference you'll actually you know, get more efficient horsepower, et cetera, et cetera. Some mm-hmm. engines are so finely tuned, they can't even use lower octane gasoline. Like when you go to fill up and you see the 87, 89, 91.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But for everyone else, like if you're driving like a Prius or I drive, uh, I drive Hondas, like I've got a, a Honda CRV, you can't, if you put 87 versus 91, there's no, absolutely no difference. Sure. You, can, you can tell yourself, oh, I'm putting in it, but the engine doesn't give a shit. It's going to make yeah. no difference. And mm-hmm. when someone is finally has, having the ability to finally tune their body and sports cars have the ability to perform at a really high level, but they also break all the time because things mm-hmm. are tuned for precision, not longevity. So if you're going to have a sports car and you're going to drive it with that nice gasoline, you've got to also be able to do the maintenance on it. Right. And when you're you're training, you know, at a high level whatever it is for somebody, you know, one person might not be able to train the way you have and you might not be able to train the way somebody else has, but if you're if you're relatively speaking training at a high level and then you're managing your recovery and you're making sure you get some sleep and you're doing things that are important for your mental health, like being a good person, you know, whatever, then that becomes that component of keeping that high performance vehicle going. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you're absolutely right. It does make a bigger difference. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's, it is annoying because like, well, it's not annoying. I just, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit critical on myself because especially now, like talking to you and remembering like how good I used to be. Um, but like you, everybody knows. What I don't like
0: mean. that. I don't like that word. Good.
1: Good. What do you mean?
0: Well, that's, good? there's a connotation that you aren't good now.
1: I was better. I remember there was this moment uh when we were exercising and I don't know if you remember this, but it was like the biggest epiphany for me. Like I was, I was like this, like I feel alive um, because so many days are spent in my bed and I feel like I'm dying. Um, You know, it was like movement was the exact opposite of, Death. of laying down right yeah. and so like having that taken away from me it's been tough
0: well, I remember that you were one of the non-athlete persons that I worked with during my time in Chicago who broke through to the other side of what exercise and movement was like you I watched you be someone who enjoyed working out but was limited by like belief or understanding of what your body could do or whatever it was, probably multiple limitations most people, it's a combination of things, and right. at a certain point, when we were doing things, you realized and i don't I don't know how you would describe the experience, but i I saw. That you learned how to shut off your self-talk and you would just do whatever I said. Mm -hmm. You would do whatever I said to the point that like you might like fall off of something or like try and jump onto something and come crashing down. And but you stopped letting your brain tell you no. And Mm -hmm. you found a lot of freedom, what I saw in being in pushing your body. To the point that your body would actually go like reaching your limitations and then seeing what happened after that which is usually adaption right like you yeah you, you go all the way and then you come back two weeks later and you can do a little more than you could before
1: yeah no it was i i agree with you i think it was great totally changed my mind of how i thought about like food for fuel and um just like lifting as a woman, you know? Um, and oh my gosh, I remember there would be days that I would be still, like have so much anxiety about my upcoming surgery. And then we would box and I would cry the entire time that we were boxing. And I was just like, so mad, but it was the best. It was the best. No, I know. Right. Um, but, but at least you were coming at me right it was like meditation. tears and all
0: i had to, I had to try like, and get my head out of it sometimes i'd see a tear and i'd move and then
1: oh my god it wasn't I'd actually every, get a hold of me but it was like one time i think <laughs> one time i did that um <laughs> but it was just like oh my god the best the best god like how blessed honestly how blessed to be able to move your body i mean
0: well how fucked is it that you're somebody who did the work to get that knowledge and now you can't use it (laughs) at least to the degree that you'd like
1: right it is it is pretty
0: that's how it works for a lot of people though
1: but i feel like i mean i feel like i could get back to it because my arms work and i was thinking i was like you know, people do Olympics in wheelchairs. Yeah. I, I don't expect to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. That's, you know, ultimately I'll have to get both hips and both knees replaced. Like mm-hmm. these stem cell treatments are just like band-aids to get me going. Well, it's pretty lot.
0: sweet that those surgeries are getting just so good and so reputable. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and that's why I think like these stem cell things, uh, just waiting as long as possible for the technology to keep increasing, because if yeah. I were to get a false hip now at 29 like i would have to get it replaced again when 40, i was there. Yeah. yeah and then again yeah. you know so um yeah i just yeah.
0: you work through your recovery and then when you decide that you want to get moving you will find things that you want and can do. Yeah. swimming it's I mean. great. There you go. And just accept that what you find and can do might not look like what your preconceived notion of what it is you want. Mm-hmm. And say, so I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to experiment and get on the other side of a couple things. Mm-hmm. And then the universe or my gut will tell me if I want to keep doing this or if this really isn't for me. Sure.
1: I know. And you know, I've always had such admiration and honestly been kind of jealous. Like if I were at, you know, let's say uh, like a hot yoga class and there's always like one person that does their own thing, like doesn't really follow the instructor and like takes breaks when they need it and like really just like doesn't care. And then there's like me that's dying and wishes, you know, my body's saying like chill out for a second, but I won't because of my pride. And then, you know, like, so I mean, I hope I come to that place because I, I feel like there's a lot of like beauty in that.
0: Well, that's, then, you know, one of the places you've got to get mentally. And as you recover, that's one of the places you need to steer into of just doing what's going to work for you and telling yourself in the moment, Hey, I don't need pride right now. Right. When it, when it comes up, because at other times you do need some pride, right? You need that self-belief. You need that. Yeah. You need some boundaries with how vulnerable you can be because you've been forced to be way more vulnerable than your average bear for a long Mm -hmm. time. And you've done your time, right? Mm -hmm. So that vulnerability needs to be on your terms and not every little thing that comes in wanting some of that from you. There's a difference.
1: just like you said, I've never really thought about it. Like that. I've been super vulnerable. Um, I've never really thought about it that way, but you're, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, (laughs) I mean, I've had to like, let people bathe me, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus.
0: Yeah. That's something that's supposed to, you're supposed to deal with when you're like 75, 80 yeah obviously when you're five or three i don't know you're right so whenever you're supposed to be bathing a child but then you're supposed to get a break from that you know pre-puberty i've never been in iraq seeing somebody's um hummer getting like blown up right next to you and seeing your friend and haven't seen that but i have seen a lot on american soil and as in a pretty much my entire adult life, I've witnessed on a very intimate level, people deal with pain Mm -hmm. and I've watched people deal with facing their own fear. I spend most of my time nowadays, like dealing with the the fighting world at like at a a high level. and Yeah. um, Which
1: is where you should be because you're really good at that.
0: I, I, I have no doubt that I'm where I should be in this world, but, um, so I know how people deal with stress, right. And people who accomplish and overcome a lot have to have a lot of self inventory, right. Because we're always getting messages to be scared or to quit, or this is too hard, or I don't want to do this. So I'm going to turn the other way. And people who get through things take that self-inventory of, yeah, I feel this way, but I'm going to ignore it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever I have to do to get on the other side of this. Right? And because of that, a lot of times, those of us that keep working through things that make other people fall off, mm-hmm. you find yourself in a place where you forget to give yourself a break like and i don't mean uh, i do mean sometimes like not working too hard but i mean like give me a break like cut yourself some slack Mm -hmm. right and it can be hard to realize how weak other people are Mm -hmm. but you should know that most other women your age have not had to deal with the i mean i can't even i can't even describe but vulnerability embarrassment shame frustration anger pain all of it basically in public you know the the people around you you can't hide some of the things you've been through and that's not the existence that most people deal with so you're you're in a safe zone of of protecting that ego from time to time like, you're not in danger of being too full of yourself or anything like that. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, it's I've kind of hard to be jealous of like. the
1: girl in the wheelchair.
0: <laughs> you know, it might be from a distance, yeah. but there are a lot of successful people out there with no health issues that would kill to have someone love them the way your fiance loves you. Or, you know, would, would love to know themselves the way you know yourself. All of, the, all of these things that you can't put a price on. You might be surprised how many people on some level, ironically, wish they were in your shoes. And I say, ironically, because, you know, being in your shoes that it would be a lot easier for that person just to work on themselves with their healthy body and all that shit and fix what's wrong with them and get some love in their life or whatever it is and not be envious of the person who is blessed with a lot of curses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think even, yeah. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. Um, Yeah. People suck. Like almost think I've had situations where like my siblings have thought that I was demanding too much attention due to <sighs> me. Like, I'm like, um, you think I want <laughs> you lost your mind. Right. Um, but again, you're right. These, a lot of people have absolute, they couldn't even fathom what I've right. been through. Like they right. couldn't, they, it'll never happen to them. They will live to an old age and die never having the slightest clue what has gone on in my head, in my heart. Like, and I, one side of me is like, I'm happy for you that you don't understand this. And then the other side of me is, why are you such a fucking asshole?
0: A lot of those people also die empty inside because they never did anything that even touched on their potential. Because you've yeah. got to have some knowledge of self to really tap into your potential. And when people are that delusional about real disease, fake disease, all of that stuff, they just, they're, that's a sign that they haven't done work on themselves to understand what life really is.
1: Sure. And I, I'm with you. I understand. i I completely understand that. Um,
0: Still stings in the, in the moment.
1: Yeah. Like. Yeah. Still sucks because you kind of realize that you don't really have anything in common with that person anymore. And you don't think that, they bring value to your life and that's tough.
0: Isn't it weird how it creates a more authentic life with more authentic relationships in reality, but how much of a, um, like a transactional aspect there is to relationships, the older you get, I think there's a lot of truth to you. The sum of like the five people you spend the most time around But that's kind of brutal sometimes when you really want to just keep hanging out with your bum out buddy who you knew since you were four.
1: Right.
0: But at some point, some of those buddies are sweet and they're great to be around, but some of them are just bums who aren't improving situations.
1: Yeah. Actually making them worse. Yes. Yes. And that's a problem.
0: In order for a lot of us to take care of ourselves, there's got to be that transaction where some people have to kind of almost get cut off to make room for,
1: for yeah the people move it that right can, along
0: can actually make you whole
1: yeah, yeah, I really realized that in this last recovery, um my fiance's family showed up for me in a big way um, and I never see them except for holidays. And I was like, wow, these are the people that I need to be pouring myself into because they love me. They support me. They treat me with respect. They don't try to fix anything. They're just, they just exist and let me work through, let me work through it. And I know that they'll always be there, you know? And so yeah. And, you know, put some of my family too. I'm not, you know, my mom, incredible grandma, incredible, my two best friends, like, you know, and I have other good family too, but um, yeah. I, if I'm blessed with these people that make me feel whole, why would I waste my energy on someone that makes me feel less than.
0: There you go. And that whole part is is such a state of mind, and yeah. you can be whole even if if half of your body goes away. You can still be whole, but you have to do that work, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to have those policies and procedures, just like a business, like you're a company, to make sure that you don't have toxic employees, right? You no, know, send it's them the- down to HR and give them their papers. Well, it sounds like. In contrast to that though, you have had some people really show you how much they mean, how much you mean to them.
1: Yes, you're right. You're a hundred percent right.
0: And that's, that's good. A lot of, that's another thing that I see with a lot of successful people. They don't, they don't know who actually cares about them and who's just there.
1: Well, and that's because a lot of people don't get close, you know?
0: Sure. Sure.
1: I mean, I could, I could have a full conversation with someone and not be present. Like, you know what I mean? Like I could, and a lot of, but I know that I'm in that state. A lot of people just live chronically in that state. Autopilot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, that was something that in Chicago, I got as big a. Ad- a dose as I could handle of in terms of like learning about that because I could go through a whole day let's say in in my office and maybe I'd see 15 people and 14 of them would be on autopilot. It was something that before that in my life I was always thought was just like one person's personal problem but now I see that it is a big part of the population who just At a certain point in their development maybe they're you know once they have been an adult for a little while but they just they're on cruise control it's almost like they have no no free will they're just doing these things as they get ushered along
1: we've been granted with the ability of being having to, to deal with multiple personalities more people that you know someone who worked in a cubicle at an office would never deal with. Um,
0: right. You just see Tom on your right and Sharon on your left for five
1: right. years. Right. And so like, I meet, you know, maybe five to 10 new people every single day and care for them on a very personal level. Yes, um,
0: and, and, t- and you talk to them about personal things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you kind of start to realize that um, human behavior is, pretty consistent other than the outlier. Um, and, you know, it's either outlier, you know, terrible situation or outlier positive situation. Right. Yes. Um, and then you start to like analyze the people that are close to you and have surrounded you it, for your entire life. And um, there's just, you just learn to judge the character of yeah, the like, human.
0: Oh, you follow the exact same pattern as all these other fucked up people. Yeah. Oh, and and I don't know about you, but I've noticed that within that, a lot of people will, it's part of the pattern, but they'll have this conversation with themselves or people about like free will and, and what they, you know, should we should we do this decision? Should we say no to this? Should we bop, 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 but then they all end up in the exact same place. It's like part of their process is just talking about free will, but they have no free will in it. They're they're on yeah. a track where it's just now now that time in the movie where they say something about it. Mhm. But they're all they're going to the exact same place.
1: Yeah. Me and my fiance just had a little problem with that. I had someone that wasn't treating me so kindly more often than that. I'm 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 right for you know, the way that I feel. And um, I, just like you said, I just like deleted all your uh, podcast stuff. There aren't a lot of people that have like the ability to adapt to change and make split second decisions, you know?
0: Correct. Yeah. Where do you see ideally Where do you see yourself in three years?
1: I'm just trying to get to tomorrow. (laughs) Um, Really living day by day. I have absolutely no idea. No clue.
0: Are you in a a place now where you don't have expectations so much about surgeries and that kind of stuff where like you're not like oh i just um i'm i really believe this is going to be the answer and you're more just like i'm going to wait and see oh see that happens with my legs
1: definitely because with the endometriosis it's just been a bunch of bullshit for the same outcome you know yes. um i think that um Yeah. I've, I've gone the opposite way. turned a little bit, little bit pessimistic, but I'd like to call it realistic. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, in my dream world, yeah, it isn't even possible.
0: So that's powerful. I know what you mean. Yeah. And have you reconciled that?
1: I don't know. But I know it to be true. You know, I'm not like living under a rock. Yeah. Thank
0: you for doing this.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: A lot of people, like you were talking about, a lot of people uh, live their life not having much knowledge of self and you're giving people a little little glimpse into the real time not the not this 80 year old lady looking back on what they've been through or anything but
1: yeah but the real yeah for sure like this is just yeah it is what it is right yeah and i do believe that if if someone else was handed what I was handed, they wouldn't be able to handle it. So, you know, you get what you can take, but at the same time, I do agree with you. I think it's a lot of bad luck because I'm just ready for it all to stop.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You need to fucking break like the next 20 years.
1: Oh my God. How awesome would that be? Get
0: yours on the back end. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I've been doing investing, so maybe I will, maybe I'll just like go off into the abyss I made a lot of money on, did, do you want, know what Novavax is?
0: No, but I probably should know.
1: Okay. It's a biomedical company. They created a COVID vaccine, but they tried to cure RSV. Like they tried to make an RSV vaccine and it flopped. So their stock was down to like $12 a share, but I saw that they were in like the COVID fight. So I bought up like a bunch of shares at $12 a share. And then they released their vaccine and it went up to $300 a share.
0: Parabolic.
1: That was the first time I've ever invested in anything.
0: How did you find them in the first place?
1: Oh my God. Just my own research. I was on, um, you know, those things like Motley Fool or like, um, the, there's like another one, um.
0: My good, my good friend is one of the senior editors at the Motley Fool.
1: Oh he, really? We,
0: yeah, we were English majors together at William & Mary. He didn't wow. he didn't like stocks at all and now he knows everything.
1: Wow.
0: It's yeah. Not, I don't I don't get any of the the good tips or anything.
1: Do you get a free membership? Don't you have to pay?
0: I don't want free membership to the Motley Fool. That oh. would that would confuse me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it does get confusing. Yeah. Oh, so then yeah. I sold them all because, but I'm in like a Roth IRA, right? So I'm not yeah. paying taxes on them or anything. Right. Um, and I so you, uh, you can
0: do that safely. It's good.
1: Yeah. So I sold them all. And then now I'm just like, well, what do I do next? <laughs> I need help.
0: Well, we'll get you on the right track with that. Okay. Cool. Me, and, me and the Motley Fool.
1: You are the Motley Fool.
0: I I am a fool. That's for sure. A little yeah. bit, a little bit motley yeah. post Malone's got that new song out. Motley crew. I've, I've said, oh. mo- I've said, mo- I've hummed motley more in the last couple of weeks than I have in my whole life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, again, thank you. And uh, we'll talk soon offline, but this is yeah. good.
1: Real good. Thanks. I appreciate it.